0: Well, in case you don't know it, this week is Christmas, all right? So uh, we need to celebrate and worship our Lord, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the greatest, the clearest presentation of the Christmas story is found in Luke chapter 2. You know, I love Luke. He's the only Gentile author in the entire Bible, Old and New Testament. All the others were Jews, but he was a Gentile. He was a doctor. He was a physician by trade, and he was a stellar historian as well. And this man of science and this man of precision when it comes to the facts. If you read the two books that he wrote in the New Testament, he wrote the Gospel of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. If you read those at the beginning of each, it talks about how he was meticulous in his research as the Holy Spirit led him. And where did he get this story about all that happened with Joseph and Mary? Undoubtedly, he had access to Mary or to someone who knew her well, and he got the Christmas story by the Holy Spirit through Mary herself. And what we're about to read is one of the most beautiful, yet so simple, not simplistic, but so simple is the story, but it is so wonderful. And what Luke tells us without any hesitation, now listen to what I'm about to say. I didn't mean to do that, but Jesus had an earthly mother but he did not have an earthly father. He was born of a virgin who conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says it is a miracle. It is a biologically, technically, a biological impossibility. But how many of you know, not with God, all things are possible with God, amen? It is a theological necessity. Jesus, the Son of God, had to be born of a virgin or else he would not have been sinless because he would have received the same sinful nature that you and I have that we received the moment at conception. We received the sinful nature of Adam, the seed of Adam, but Jesus was not born of the seed of Adam. He was born of the seed of woman again a biological impossibility. Women don't have seed, men do, but Jesus was born the seed of woman in that he was born of a virgin, a theological necessity. How else could God Almighty take on human flesh except without a sinful nature being born of a virgin? And so that's what Luke tells us. And we start looking at this child and we even think about our calendars, it is the year 2020. Well, what happened over 2,000 years ago? Was it the birth of Buddha? No. Was it the birth of Muhammad or Allah? No. It was the birth of Jesus Christ. B.C., now they put B.C.E., before Common Era. Well, that's just a bunch of liberals because they don't like B.C., what it originally stood for, before Christ the whole calendar. When you tell me what day it is, you're talking about Jesus. Everything dates back from us to Jesus. We are A.D., before Jesus was B.C., before Christ, A.D. Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord, a Latin phrase, referring exclusively to Jesus so, we're talking about this birth every time we tell anybody what today's date is. Nobody else is like that. Don't you see? Folks today don't want you to know that Jesus Christ is by far, hands down, the most important person ever to be on this earth. Jesus Christ. And think about it God became a little bitty baby think about that don't ever question does God love you he loves you so much he came and he literally experienced what you experienced he experienced birth he grew up he died but praise God he was raised from the dead and he's at the right hand of the father and he's coming back amen he's coming back so what child is this In that little manger in Bethlehem, I have no idea what's doing that. I don't know if it's my beard. It's not much of a beard, really. I've got a, my my beard is kind of weak, okay? I see these guys with these beards down here, and I'm saying, no, that's a beard. (laughs) And all I got is this. But anyway, if that's scratching there, I'm sorry. I don't know what to do about it. I wouldn't point it out for the world, all right? But anyway, there it is, all right. What kind of child is this? Who is this Jesus why all this attention well the bible in these texts these famous words give us five things about Jesus look at it very quickly Jesus was a child of prophecy a child of prophecy look at verse one now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged or betrothed to him She was with child. She was pregnant. Now, who is Caesar Augustus, and why does it matter? I don't want to just give you a history lesson, but I want you to understand that the gospel is rooted in history because history is his story, okay? History is all about Jesus. And uh, Caesar Augustus was the first emperor of Rome. And I've said that before, and somebody said, object. No, no, no. Julius Caesar was before him. Julius Caesar was not an emperor. Julius Caesar was a king. And before Caesar Augustus reigned as the first emperor of the Roman Empire, Rome was not an empire. It was a republic, and the senators ran it. And whoever was in the Caesar seat, he had to answer to the senate But along came a man named Octavian, who later would become Caesar Augustus. His name was changed after he, as a general, fought another general named Antony, who had fallen in love with a wicked witch of a woman named Cleopatra down in Egypt. And they came to the Battle of Actium, and guess what? Octavian won. And Cleopatra and Antony committed suicide. And all of a sudden, this broken up, divided kingdom of Rome came under one emperor for 45 years. And his name, he changed it from Octavian to Caesar Augustus. That's where he comes from. Now, why is that important? Because he was the one who paved the way for the coming of Christ. The Bible says in Galatians 4.4, you ought to write that down. Galatians 4.4, 4. that Jesus was born, now listen to this phrase, beautiful phrase, in the fullness of time. Say that with me, in the fullness of time. Now why was Jesus born when he was born? Because Octavian ruled for 45 years from 31 B.C. before Christ to 14 years after his birth, and during that time he paved the way for the Christ to be able to have a gospel-ready world for the, na- for the gospel to go to all the nations. They had built roads. They, were ha- not having, they, they did not have any war after Caesar Augustus became the emperor. Rome did not have any more wars for 200 years. And all of a sudden, there's the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And at the fullness of time, God said, okay, now's the time Jesus was born exactly the right time because there was a common language called Greek. There were roads everywhere. There's the Pax Romana, and there was a hunger. The Jews were looking for the Messiah, and the people, if not the religious leaders, the people were hungry for the coming of Messiah. They were tired of being under the Romans, and they wanted to be led by God and His Messiah. And so you had all this perfect timing, the fullness of time, and boom, now's the time. And Caesar Augustus, a complete pagan, had no idea, but God was moving his heart to call a census for the entire Roman world so that prophecy could be fulfilled in Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. Listen to this. Micah chapter 5. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. This is the Messiah. His goings forth were from long ago. That is, he is eternal from the days of eternity. Therefore he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. That's Mary. This is being prophesied 700 years before Jesus came. Then the remainder of the brethren will return to the sons of Israel, and he will arise, the Messiah, Jesus, and shepherd his flock. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. He'll shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain because of that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be our peace. Now everybody knew that, even more than likely Joseph and Mary knew that prophecy. Now why is that so important? Because Mary and Joseph didn't live in Bethlehem, but yet she was carrying this little baby that was the Messiah. She was great with child. And so God, in order to get Jesus in the prophesied place to be born, 90 miles south of Nazareth, he had a pagan king give a decree, an edict, that all the world be taxed. And you know what? When God does things, sometimes He does them in small ways, but sometimes He does them in big ways. He had everybody moving, amen, while His Son was born. The Bible says, I am going to go back to this in Proverbs 21 verse 1, the King's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. He, the Lord, turns that King's heart wherever He wants. I got news for you. I, regardless of who is in any political position God is on his throne and God can get anybody to do anything he wants to anytime he wants to amen in the house of the Lord amen so now let me just I I love lasers I'm not talking about the kind that kill you I'm talking about this little deal right here oh I love I'm so happy right now you just don't know why was it a big deal well prophecy they're living up here in Nazareth Galilee when we go to Israel we land right over in here at Lod we go up right in here uh well no no we land right over here in Lod that's right we go to Caesarea first then we go to Mount Carmel but anyway I'm not on an Israel tour let me get back to this all right Nazareth is where they lived she's pregnant with him in Nazareth Now, they would not go straight down to Bethlehem, Jerusalem, to Bethlehem. They wouldn't go straight down. This is Samaria. Remember, the Bible says that the Jews wouldn't go through Samaria. So here's how they would cross. They would go from here. They'd cross over into Decapolis and go down on this side of the Jordan River. This is the Jordan River, Sea of Galilee. This is up north, the three uh, main tributaries that flow into the Jordan Dan was up here. Jor means descend from, it descend from Dan into the Sea of Galilee. Then it would go down to the Dead Sea. So they're going to cross over right here, go across, and then they're going to come back in right when they get here. And by the way, this is this little stretch of land that I've got the laser on right now. Let me tell you what happened in that one place. Just this is the Dead Sea. Right here. Right here is amazing what all happened there. How many of you remember a guy named Moses? Anybody remember him? Okay, he died right here and was, he's buried right in there somewhere. How many of you remember a guy named Joshua that followed? Anybody know that? Okay, right here is where the uh, Jordan River dried up and stayed back and the people of God who had been wandering in the wilderness all down in here for 40 years, now they cross over on dry land and they fight at Jericho and the walls fall down. That's all that right here. That's also where Elijah was translated up into heaven. And guess what? It's also where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. So the three people you see in Jesus' transfiguration were Moses, Elijah, and it's Jesus. And all of them had something major happen to them right here. Now, they would come down here and they'd cross over, go to Jerusalem, and go down to Bethlehem, probably a 90 mile trip. Now, think about it, anybody that's had a baby out there, think about if you're in the final trimester and you ride 90 miles on a mule. Man, I want to tell you something. I would not be a happy camper, would you? I mean, that was a tough trip. But it was all to fulfill prophecy. And again, Jesus was a child of prophecy. What else was prophesied about Jesus? Why was he a child of prophecy? Isaiah saw more about Jesus than any other prophet. Let me just to give you four things that he saw. Write these down in your notes. He saw Jesus' virgin birth. Isaiah did. He saw it hundreds of years before he was born. These famous Christmas words, Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child, bear a son, and she'll call him Emmanuel. God is with us. There's the virgin birth right there in the Old Testament, and Luke said it was true. Also, his victorious life, not only his virgin birth, but his victorious life. These famous words, they also go with Christmas, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Not only was Jesus born of a virgin, but Jesus lived a victorious life. He was the wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, and the eternal father. And then not only the virgin birth and the victorious life of Jesus, but Isaiah also prophesied the victorious death of Jesus, the victorious death of Jesus. If you go to what I call the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, there's no more sacred text in all the Bible in the Old Testament. It talks about the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. I'll give you the death first. His vicarious death is prophesied in Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6. He, referring to the Messiah, Jesus, was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised. We didn't esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him as stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through. He was nailed to a cross for our transgressions. He was crushed. For our iniquities, he had no transgressions, he had no iniquities. The chastening for our well being fell upon him, and then these beautiful words by his scourging, his stripes, we are healed. How did you get saved? Through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the stripes of Jesus. And then listen to this all of us, like sheep, had gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but God laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all on Jesus. Ah, that's his vicarious death. But aren't you glad he didn't stay dead? Aren't you glad that he rose from the dead? If you keep reading in Isaiah, you see the resurrection of Jesus, the victorious resurrection was prophesied Let me just read it to you very quickly and we'll move on. Isaiah 53 verse 9 and following his grave was assigned with wicked men. Who's that? The two thieves on the cross. Yet he was with a rich man in his death. Who's that? Joseph of Arimathea who said to Pilate, let me have his body. I want to bury him in my own grave that's never been used. That was a rich man. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased him. God, Yahweh, the Father, was pleased to crush him, Jesus, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. Now, all of a sudden, look at me, look at me. All of a sudden, the verb tenses change from past to future. Why? He's been talking about the death of Jesus that's already happened that by, by the time we're in this story in Luke. But there's coming something else that's going to happen, and that is the resurrection. And all of it now is future tense. Watch this. This is the resurrection. He will, this man who died, will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. The good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Verse 11, as a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it. He will be satisfied by his knowledge of the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Aren't you glad? He he said, look, he's going to die, but he will come up triumphantly. He's going to rise from the dead is what he's saying. All of it is prophesied. All of it is pointing to this little baby there in Bethlehem. Who is this child? What child is this? A child of prophecy. Nobody like Jesus. Jesus. Secondly, Jesus was a child of poverty. Look at verses 6 and 7. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And so simple is this phrasing, yet it's about the greatest person ever to live. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. Everybody say firstborn. I'll tell you about that word in a moment. And she wrapped him in cloths. Please tell Donna that I said cloths. Because for years I have said close, all right? And it irritates her. So just tell him I did good, okay? And laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Mary, great with child, had ridden on a donkey 80, 90 miles. Then in the town of Bethlehem, the Son of God was born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. That word firstborn is important. It means the first of others to come. She was his firstborn. Why do I say that? Now, don't get mad at me. I'm not mad at anybody. But the Roman Catholics teach that Mary not only had Jesus as a virgin, but she never had any other children. And they suggest, for instance, that the other brothers and sisters that we know Jesus had from Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel, tell us that. They say, well, that must have been from another marriage by Joseph. The problem is the Bible says zero about that. And the word firstborn means that's the first one and there were others yet to come. All right? Don't ever tell me the Bible, every word is inspired by God. And then the Bible says he was also not only 100% God, he was 100% man, He was wrapped in cloths, laying in a feeding trough. You would expect the Son of God to come to a castle, but he comes to a little cradle. You would expect him to be a billionaire, but he's born in a barn. Don't you love the humility of Jesus Christ? He humbles himself, and that's exactly what Paul said we should do when we think about his birth We should think about humbling ourselves. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says you must have the same attitude, the same mindset that Christ had, Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think or regard equality with God as something to cling or hold on to. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being appearing in human form. Jesus Christ humbled himself, condescended, became a man to bring salvation to all. Don't ever think that God doesn't love you. God Almighty wrapped himself in flesh, became a little baby that had to be wrapped in a diaper in order to go to the cross to save you. Don't ever say that Jesus Christ doesn't love you. Oh, He does. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. Glory Glories of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Oh, the Word of God became flesh. Get that. God became a baby. So much a baby had to be wrapped in swaddling cloths. He was lying humbly as a poor person, born to poor people in a manger. Now, I was not poor when I was growing up. I was certainly not rich, but my parents were middle class. But neither one of my parents graduated from high school because both of them grew up in abject poverty. I'm talking about poverty. They were born during the Great Depression and they were born on farms. They had large families, both of them. Part of my father's house that he grew up in had a dirt floor. They had no running water. They drank water out of a well. They worked on farms. They quit high school because they had to go to work. My dad told me that when he was just a little boy, he would ride with his mother to go to town in a wagon pulled by a mule, and they would sell milk, eggs, vegetables, anything they could. They didn't really want to sell the chickens because that's how they got their eggs. Just to buy necessities. At Christmas time, they would get an orange, one orange, one apple, and two walnuts. And that's it. That's it. They didn't have running water. They didn't have electricity. They washed their clothes on a scrub board, dried them on a line, chopped and picked cotton, killed hogs, cows for meat. Wood-burning stoves, if you got cold, put some wood on the fire. No air conditioning, if you got hot, open the window. That was in the 1930s, just before World War II. They were children of poverty. and When they got married after Dad got back from the war, they, saved, they walked to work every day until they could pay cash for a very used car. My parents grew up in poverty and guess what? That's exactly where God sent his son. God didn't send his son to some rich people. He sent them to people like my parents when they were children. Jesus grew up in poverty. When Jesus died, Bible says that the only thing he had were the clothes on his back. He was a homeless, itinerant preacher. He said the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And yet it was through his willingness to embrace that kind of poverty that Jesus can make you spiritually rich. I don't believe God promises to give us all that our greedy desires want. I do believe that he will give you clothing, food, and shelter. I do believe that. He'll meet your need but not your greed. Amen? But I want to say this to you. He will make you rich if you'll come to him spiritually. I want to give you... One of these days, maybe next year, I don't know, I'm going to preach this as my Christmas text, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Look at it on the screen. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, before He came to this earth, He was the King of kings, Lord of lords, Son of God in heaven, angels worshipped Him, He lacked nothing, and yet for your sake, everybody say for my sake, say it out loud, For my sake. That's right. For your sake he became poor. How? He was born into this world into poverty. Why? So that you through his poverty all the way to going through the cross when he died for your sins so that you might become rich. Not money wise but spiritually. Jesus became poor so you could become rich. Don't you ever say that God doesn't love you he does he was born into poverty to make you spiritually rich oh he was a child of poverty number three and i'll go a little quicker you say brother steve we've been here 30 minutes listening to you and you got three more points i know pray for me i'm trying my best all right i've been gone two weeks i like to preach all right here we come number three what child is this jesus was a child of praise look at verse eight Oh, they're going, angels are going to get the praise on here. Look at verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. Now, this is going to mess up your nativity set. But uh, the angel was not above them like we have them flying here, you know, in the seeing Christmas tree. I'm not trying to knock the seeing Christmas tree. But they need to lower that guy, okay? He was standing beside them. That's what the word means. He was not above them. He was beside them, in front of them, not hovering over them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. The glory of God. Angels reflect God's glory. They don't have any glory. They reflect the glory of God. And it's so bright that they're panicking. This is the Shekinah glory that Moses saw burning in that bush. It's the Shekinah glory that led the people of God through the wilderness for 40 years it was the cloud by day and the fire by night, the same Shekinah glory that was over the mercy seat at the Ark of the Covenant, the Shekinah glory of God, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, "Don't be afraid, for I bring you good news. You It means I bring you the eugelion, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I bring you." Good news of great joy, joy unspeakable, full of glory, which will be for all the people. Aren't you glad? For the gospel is for everybody in the whole world. It's for everybody. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 11, for today in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. All those definite articles and all that, not there in the Greek. It's Savior, Christ, Lord. Jesus is the Savior. He is the Christ. He's the Messiah. And He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And that is the one who has been born for you. For today, that's happened in the city of David. This will be a sign, verse 12, for you. You're going to find a baby, nothing special about that. Wrapped in cloths, nothing special about that. Oh, here it is. Lying in a manger. You're going to find a baby lying in a manger he was telling them don't go to the rich houses looking for a messiah go to a barn and you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger and when he said that how many of you know that if you will humble yourself God will exalt you anybody know that all right we already talked about that Jesus humbled himself and God says uh Angels, get down yonder and worship my boy. That's the Steve Gaines version, all right. And all of a sudden, the whole bunch of angels show up, and look what happens. Suddenly, there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest." Say that with me. Glory to God in the highest. Say it like you're an angel shouting it out at the birth of Jesus. Say it with me. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom God is pleased, peace among men who have the favor of God upon them. What a sight that must have been! And aren't you glad God did it incrementally? I want to say this to you God knows that we can't handle some things. He shows up with one angel, they panic. If He'd showed up with that whole bunch at one time, they would have probably fallen out dead. But God said, okay, give them just one angel first and then bring the whole bunch in. And they all come in there and they're worshiping God and they're all praising God. And these shepherds are just like, man, what a glorious thing we've been told about the Christ. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Angels from their realms of glory wing your flight o'er all the earth. Oh, Jesus Christ is about to be born. Who is that child? Glory to God in the highest. Who is this child? He's a child of praise. I want to tell you something, churches. Let me tell you something. We wouldn't be near as quiet if we could see Jesus right now. We'd get happy. We'd be shouting. We, I'm telling you. I'm just telling you. Don't, don't. When you get to heaven, you've been warned. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's not quiet like this all the time. It's it's happy in heaven. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God. Now, he's also not only a child of praise, he's a child of promise. Oh, they'd been given a promise. If you'll go to Bethlehem, you're going to see the Messiah. You're going to be the first ones to see him. They'd been given a promise. It's not good enough to receive a promise. You have to act on the promise. Now, watch this. Look at this. Verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven... The shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16 So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. God had given them a promise. And we don't know how far away they were. Maybe they traveled a whole night. Maybe they came the next day. We don't know. But we do know that God gave them a promise. If you'll just go to Bethlehem, I'm going to show you the Messiah before anybody else knows about it. I'm going to show it to you before the Magi. They're not going to be here for months. I'm going to show you you lowly shepherds. I'm going to show you the Messiah. And they believed the promise and they acted upon it and they got to see Jesus. Oh, they were people trusting in the promises of God. I I woke up this morning. How many of you ever just get a little bit down? Anybody out there besides me just get a little bit down. You know, this year has been, you know, I've had some great friends die of the coronavirus and of other things. I've, I I this has been kind of a hard year and I just woke up today and I don't know what it was. Man. I was it was Sunday. I just woke up, you know, and but I got in the word and I got in Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he heard my cry. He bent down and listened to my prayer, and I will praise him. For, I started reading that. And I said, whoa, that's, that's good right there. Before I got through that psalm, I was praising God. Amen? Why? Because God gave me a promise. That's why. It's the Word of God that burns in your heart like fire. That's why you got to stay in the Word. Every day in the Word. And get a promise for God. Jesus was a child of promise. But that's not enough. There's one last thing we've got to talk about. Oh, he was a child of prophecy. The Old Testament pointed to him. He was a child of poverty. He didn't come with a bunch of rich folks. Nothing wrong with rich folks. But Jesus came to poor people. He was a child of praise. The angels worshipped him and adored him. He was a child of promise. If they'd just go down there, they'd see him. But he was a child of proclamation. He was somebody that we need to talk about. And I've been talking about him for over 40 years. What about you? Look at verse 17. When they had seen this, they made known. Everybody say that. They made known. Now right there, whether you know it or not, is the first time anybody shares the gospel of Jesus in the whole New Testament right there that's the first time anybody tells anybody about jesus in a an evangelistic way they made known the statement which had been told them about this child they couldn't they were like peter and john in the book of acts when they were out preaching about jesus after he descended back to heaven They said, you stop speaking in the name of Jesus, and they said, "Uh, fat chance, that's my version of the Greek there, we cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. We can't do it. And these shepherds were just like that. I want to say this to you, when Jesus has changed your life, when you've seen Jesus and when God has given you a word, you've got to share it with other people. You can't serve God With a zipped lip. Man, you've got the greatest news in the world. (laughs) Why should we be ashamed of the gospel? (laughs) It's the power of God into salvation. And so they just started saying, We got to tell you about him. They made known the statement which had been told them about the Christ. And note the response. And sadly, this is the way a lot of people respond to Jesus. Verse 18. All who heard it wondered at these things. It doesn't say they believed. It doesn't say they accepted him. It doesn't say they repented. They just wondered at. Well, that's interesting. That's the way a lot of people do. You say, "Well, here's the gospel," and you share the whole thing. Well, well, that's interesting. Let me think about that, and they go off and do their own thing and never think about it. It's exactly what. But look at Mary. Here's the right response. But Mary, verse nineteen, treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Oh, Jesus, you're a child of proclamation. When I get to heaven, I'm going to find out when I got saved. (laughs) I might have been saved when I was seven years old. I don't know. But when I was 18 years old, February of 1976, I fell in love with Jesus. He became my dearest friend. I've walked with him now for a long time, well over 40 years. And I never get over the fact that he came in the form of a little bitty baby to bring salvation to a sinner like me. Don't ever get over that, church. Don't ever get over John 3:16. God loved this world so much. He gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever, aren't you glad you're a whosoever? <laughs> whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Sweet little Jesus boy they made you be born In a manger, sweet little holy child, we didn't know who you were, didn't know you'd come to save us, Lord, to take our sins Far away, our eyes were blind, and we could not see, or we didn't know it was you. A long time ago. manger, Lord, sweet little Jesus, boy. All the world treats you mean, Lord, treats me mean too. But that's how things are down here. Cause we don't know who you are you have told us how we we are trying oh master you have shown us how even while you were dying it just seems like we can't do right oh look how we look how we treated you but please sir Oh, forgive us, Lord. Because we didn't know it was you. Stand up and sing this last part with me. Sing it with me. Sweet little Jesus, boy. Born a long time ago, sweet little holy child, we didn't know who Mm. you were. Let's give our praise to Jesus right now. Give him praise. Glory to God in the highest. Say it with me. Glory to God in the highest. Give Him praise. Give Him praise right now. Praise Him right now. Praise Him like the angels. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. I watched an old football game last night and they were going nuts. We got something to shout about in here, don't we? A lot more than whoever wins some football game that nobody will even know about three years from now. But they'll still know about Jesus. This little baby can change your life because he didn't stay a baby. He grew up. He lived a sinless life for you. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead for you. Is he coming back for you? Do you know him? Do you know him? Have you ever repented of your sins? You hear me say that every week. You may say, well, I'm just going to tune out. Okay, I've heard all this before. Have you listened? There's a difference between just hearing and listening. Have you listened to the Holy Ghost? Not to me. What does it matter what I say? God ever touched your heart? Are you tired of living in sin? Are you tired of the life that you've got? Are you ready to repent, to turn, to do an about face? To say, I'm tired of that. I don't want to live like that anymore. I'm tired of that. Lord, I repent. I do an about face. I'm turning to you. I may not do it all right, but I'm turning to you. I'm with Him. I'm with Jesus. That's repentance. you ever done that? You can do it right now. Then you can believe. Lord, I believe. I believe you were born of a virgin. I believe you did die on the cross for my sins. I believe you did rise from the dead. I believe it. Man, That's now we're talking. You've repented and you've believed. Now you've got one more thing. Just receive Him. Lord, would you take somebody like me? answer is yes yes he will he'll take you and he'll make you into what he wants you to be you totally sell out to him you totally give your life to him and he'll take you you think I ever thought I was going to be a preacher I was just a knucklehead still am in a lot of ways Think I ever thought I'd be a pastor of a church? I didn't think any of that. Think I'd ever thought I'd have somebody like Donna? Hello? How many of you know that God's better to us than we deserve? Amen? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I, I, don't, I don't know what God's got for you out there, but it's better than what you're going to have without Him, I'll tell you that. I'm begging you. I have no I have no qualms. I I don't care if I cry. I don't much cry about hardly anything, except when I start talking like this to people that are lost. If you don't know the Lord, I'm begging you. I'm not putting on a show. I'm telling you out of my heart, I want for you your forgiveness of sin. God wants that for you. That's what Christmas is about. When you couldn't get to God, God came to you. That's what Christmas is about. Let's give him praise right now. Let's just thank him. Thank him right now. Amen. Amen. what we want to do is, um, I want to go ahead and lead you in a prayer because some of you don't feel comfortable coming. I I want you to get saved. I don't want you leaving 2000 Appling Road lost. I want you to get saved. And you do that by repentance believing repenting of your sins believing in jesus and receiving him and i want to lead you in a prayer right now let's pray (coughs) and if you'll sincerely mean what you're saying even if you don't say every single word right that's not the point it's your heart if you'll pray this with your heart you'll be saved just say dear lord jesus i want to be saved i want to know you Thank you that you came that I might be saved. I'm lost right now, but I want to be saved. You're the only Savior. There is no other. You are the Savior. You are the Christ. You are the Lord. Like the Bible said today. And I repent of my sin. Now, that, I'm going to tell you when you say that, keep your heads bowed, you're saying, I don't want it anymore. You can't go on living a double life. You gotta say, God, I'm tired of it. Help me. Help me stop it. Some of y'all are gonna have to quit hanging around certain people so you can get out of your sin and you have to get around God's people. I feel really led to say that to somebody right now. I gave up a whole lot of friends. When i got saved but i got family spiritual family instead of friends I said lord i i'm going to follow you no matter what even if my friends turn their back on me i repent i believe you died on the cross i believe you rose from the dead I receive you. Save me right now, Lord Jesus. Come into my life. Save me. In Jesus' name. Now with our heads bowed, if you just prayed that, the minute we start singing, please, please, come and just, even if you don't join the church, just please come and talk to one of these pastors. Pastors, come very quickly. They'll be right down here in the front. They're going to give you some materials that help you get started in the Christian life. You're a brand new baby in Christ. You need to come. Please come. Don't worry about people saying, don't worry about what people, don't don't even think about it. It's It's you and God. I was the only one that walked forward the night that I got saved. So if you're the only one, praise God. But you come. And they'll pray with you. And God will work. But I want to lead you Christians in a prayer. I want to tell you something. This pandemic got a lot of people on edge. And they are, listen to it, they are open to the gospel right now. I want you to be like these shepherds. I want you to share the gospel. We've got gospel tracks you can get them right there I wrote these little gospel tracks they're free you come get some of these and hand them out this week down here on the front father I just pray for my brothers and sisters I pray that we will share the gospel with Jesus of Jesus with lost people I pray that they'll be born again help us to see people get saved in Jesus name if that's your prayer say amen